The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world, built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. It is Sunday evening going into Monday morning, and today we have a guest. I mentioned to you yesterday, Dana was going to come back on the show. He's been on before. He is a uh, old school conservative slash hippie type outlaw. And so he's really the guy that made me start looking at this idea of becoming an outlaw. And I've said to you guys on the show, you cannot complain about tyranny and then keep complying with tyranny. It's just, it's never going to get you out of tyranny to keep complying with it. So that was Dana who, who made me start branding myself as an outlaw. So I really appreciate him. As you folks know, I had Dan Golvach on uh, several times, good friend of mine, and he came on the show and we had a really interesting conversation on this concept of an artificial intelligence antichrist dan's been studying theology for over 40 years that's what he went to college for then he was a musician who toured the world and then he ended up actually touring with donald trump in 2015 fighting for the border wall because dan's son spencer Golvach was murdered by a five times deported illegal alien and that's how dan became an activist in what was called the angel families community and then dan's interview led to a gentleman named Mark, who is a member of pain.tv slash gold, reached out, and he's been studying uh, the scripture and theology for over 40 years as well. And then I started talking to pastors I was running into in my personal life and getting their opinion on this. And it turned into conversations about end times and revelations and the rapture and the antichrist, all stuff that I find very interesting because as you know, I believe there's definitely some dark spirituality behind what the technocratic transhumanists are doing on the higher levels, you know, on the higher ends of the food chain here. And I see that happening because I call this a war on humanity. It ends with the engineering of humanity out of existence, in my opinion. That's just looking at this stuff from the technology and the science and the direction that we are moving in, uh, both culturally and as a society. And that's not just in the United States, but basically across the entire West and now in other parts of the world as well. So after the conversation I had with Mark, Dana reached out, who has also uh, been studying theology and the scripture for over four decades. And he said, look, I'm not trying to pick a fight with Mark. I'm not trying to pick a fight with any Christians. It was a very well-written 
sincere letter, very thorough, as is everything that Dana has sent me over the last uh, few months that I've been part of the Pain TV community. And uh, he said, hey, I'd love to have a conversation. It doesn't even have to be on air. And I said, no, let, let's do a show about it. This is an open conversation. You know, as far as I'm concerned, we're all a big family here. We're a big community inside Mike Payne's network. You know, the Paniacs over here, the Gold Pillars over here. It's just one big community. We're trying to learn. We're trying to expand our mind. We're trying to gain knowledge, figure out how we can escape this system or live one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix. So let's just have the conversation. I've got a few other pastors I mentioned to you who are going to be coming on, one of which I've been to his house a few times for this home fellowship. Another gentleman uh, who I've known for 30 years who just recently became a pastor, and he's been studying artificial intelligence and end times and everything. So I said, Dana, come on the show. And a few days ago, he said, yeah, I'll come on. So we set it up for today. And Dana is with us. How are you today, sir? Doing well, Dustin. Good to hear you. <laughs> and you too. Listen, we just talked for a few minutes uh, before the show started, and I just mentioned it, but I want to give you the floor just to uh, talk about what you wrote in the first uh, paragraph that you sent to me, because I know you want to make it clear that you're not trying to uh, start any wars here. You don't think it was God's intention to get people fighting with each other. You uh, see all these people, Mark, Dan, everyone else, as uh, you know, brothers under Christ, under God, and um, you just want to make that clear before we get into this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I enjoyed your uh, interview with Mark. I think Mark had a lot of good things to say, and I didn't want this conversation that we're going to have to look like a hit piece against anybody's school of thought. Uh, there are a lot of schools of thought out there, and there's a lot of subgroups within those, and people who are all good Bible-believing Christian people who will share heaven with one day believe a lot of different things, especially when it comes to the end times. And um, through my journey through end times studies, which like, I said, like you said, has been over four decades, uh, at one time or another, I have held every school of thought. And what led me to a different school of thought from the one I was at presently was usually I came up with questions and people didn't have answers for them. And the more I looked for answers, then I moved on and like I said, so I can I can be, you know, I can drink coffee with anybody from any school because I've been in all those schools. So what I'm hoping to maybe convey today uh, where I am now with uh, end times scriptures is maybe to offer some um, navigational tools, as it were. I'm not trying to make doctrine or, or change doctrine or dispute doctrine. I just want to... Uh, you know, this is a big, big field. There's lots of stuff to think about. And, you know, most people, where, where do I go? What do I do? And uh, I think that, you know, the more things that we can put out there, the more options that people can look at um, and stay open-minded about. And because we're, we're all seeking the truth. And I think there's truth to be found. And I hope that maybe uh, we can shine some light on some areas that maybe people haven't thought about before. Uh, and go from there but i'm not out to change anybody's school of thought uh put one down and lift another one up uh they've all got good things to say and they all have issues or questions that sometimes they can't answer so um that's where i'm coming from today yeah 
Okay, so let, let's do this. <clears throat> Why don't we, um, because I, I had mentioned to you before the show, I've said it here on the show. I grew up Protestant in a congregational church, probably about 16 or 17 years old. I really just stopped going. I've always considered myself to be uh, agnostic. I, I believe in God. I believe in a creator. I just look at the world and the magic of this earth. I go on a hike up a giant mountain for several hours, and I look out across all these mountain peaks, and I laugh and say these technologists, these technocrats, these transhumanists think that they are gods. They want to play God. Uh, if they could, they could just, <clears throat> if they were God, they just snap their fingers and they could create their own earth. They wouldn't have to hijack and pirate and hack uh, what, in my mind, God already created. You look at the magic of uh, a bumblebee pollinating a flower. You look at the magic of a woman's body when she is pregnant with a baby. To me, it's like the proof is there. I, I can just see it. It's like the matrix code. And so... I, I just kind of never, I didn't go to church for years. I wasn't really into the idea of organized religion. Uh, I won't say that I didn't have the time to study scripture. I didn't make the time. And so the conversations came up with my wife when she was pregnant. She grew up uh, in Poland as a Catholic, as most people are there. And she said, I want to instill some religious values. I want to get the baby baptized. So we started looking at uh, churches, small independent churches. So we began that journey a few months ago. We're still kind of looking around. We've really found this home fellowship thing that's just very, very comfortable. It's very relaxed, uh, very nice people. They came out of the homeschool community, and these are the kind of people we're gravitating towards in the community we're building around ourselves anyway. So as of right now, it seems to fit. But I want to ask you, for people that, let's say, aren't following this they're not part of uh, organized religion like first uh dana what are the different uh sects of christianity and then maybe we can look at the different sects of christianity and how they interpret uh end times and then you can start to talk about the different schools of thought that you had written about in this letter to me well largely there are you know basically three uh groups under Christianity, and under those three groups, there's about a million subgroups. But the three main ones are, you know, you've got the, the, the Roman Catholic Church, you've got the Orthodox Church, which you have Eastern and Russian and, and others, uh, but the Orthodox Church, and you have the Protestant Church. So somebody who is in Christianity will fall into one of those groups at some point or another. Now, when you get into the subgroups, it gets really crazy. You have all these different denominations, and and uh, each one believes a little something different. One's a Calvinist, one's an Armenian, one you know wants uh, wine with communion, the other wants grape juice. Some baptized by immersion, some baptized by by sprinkling, and uh, so you have all these different things out there. You've got uh, very conservative uh, groups, you've got very liberal groups, um, and and everything in between. So. Uh, but basically, Christianity would be divided up between Roman Catholicism, the Orthodox churches, and, and, and Protestants. And uh, you will find uh, agreement between the three on certain matters like the end times, and you will find disagreement. And you'll find disagreements within, like, the Protestant church. The Protestant church, the Western Protestant church, the Protestant church in, in our part of the world, uh, you know, there's myriad views on all kinds of end times subjects. I mean, it's not just 
the Lord is coming back and that's the end of it. You know, there, there's lots of things. And when I started, you know, looking at, at, you know, these things, I mean, some of the things that put people off about end times or eschatology, you can use either term, is, I mean, you got four different views on how revelation should be interpreted. You got like three and a third views of how the rapture is going to play out. You got four different views on the millennium from uh, Revelation chapter 20. There's different, two different ways to read Revelation that people disagree about. Um, there's two ways to date the writing of Revelation. Was it written before 70 AD when the temple was destroyed by Rome, or was it after that? Uh, you've got different ways to define Israel and Jews. Those, those names don't always mean the same thing to everybody the same way. Uh, you've got two views on whether you know you should take uh, the scriptures, especially the end time scriptures, uh, literally or figuratively. Um, is it already, or is it not yet, or is it already but not yet? You know, you got all these different things, and people emphasize one or the other, and to the exclusion of some of the others, and you come up with a school of thought, you come up with a system. But all of these end times systems that exist are i consider man-made uh they came about there god didn't put an appendix in the back of the bible saying this is the way you should interpret end times prophecy um and so you've got these different systems that people sincere people educated people came up with uh but none of them really go back to the days of the apostles now some of them might claim that but you don't find it in the writings and uh Certainly Paul and John and, and, and the gospel writers who wrote about end times things or uh, whatever didn't come up and say, now, now this is how this needs to be interpreted. And so we, we strive for the truth. I think there, is some, some, there are some things that we can look at that can really help us more than relying on a system. I, um, I've kind of given up on the systems. I think that they all have something to bring to the party, but unfortunately they all want to be the party and the only party and i think that's that's not healthy and it's caused a lot of division between brothers and sisters in christ that should not be there like i said god did not give us end time scriptures so we could fuss and fight and, and and divide from one another and especially in these days and times there are uh forces at work that are trying to undermine christianity if not do away with it altogether and this is a time when christians really need to be united and not a time when we need to be fussing and fighting about the Lord's return when the Bible isn't dogmatic about the way that's going to play out. It's going to happen. That's dogmatic. But, you know, how how is this going to happen? When's it going to happen? What's it going to look like? Well, those are matters that are uh, subject to interpretation. And um, so hopefully, like I said, we can talk about some things that maybe will help people uh, kind of humble themselves, back off a little bit, you know, from being really dogmatic on a particular uh, subject, and then we can, you know, move forward together and try to look at some things that will help us understand better. So, do these in different interpretations come from the different sects, or from the different churches, or from the individual pastors? Where do these different interpretations stem from? Uh, they come from really all over the map. I mean, you know, you've got some. Um, teachings from eschatology that, that tie back to uh, St. Augustine. You've got some, uh, the probably the most prevalent um, school of thought in end-times theology 
is uh, less than uh, two thousand. I mean, two hundred years old, um, and it, it originated pretty much in this country. Um, so you know, it's, it's coming from all over. You've got uh, most of the what I would say accepted schools of thought in Christendom, but the, the, not the crazy stuff. Not you know, Billy Bob on the internet or. You know, the, the guy with the blow-dried hair, you know, wanting you to send him money, and he's, he's doing the late-night prophecy hour. Uh, we're not talking about those, those guys. We're talking about people who were, you know, just reputable. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they were preachers that, that led in this direction. Sometimes they were scholars, uh, leaders of the church, um, and they see things they see things differently. Um, and I think that's, you know, there's there's... There's a big tent in Christianity, and eschatology, end times theology, is part of that big tent. There's lots of stuff to think about. I look at it that, that what's happened, I think, if, if, you, if you look at it. Uh, just to give an example, um, my son and I went to the Netherlands, and we went to the Rijksmuseum, which is kind of like their Smithsonian. And in there, uh, you have the, the, the Dutch master's uh, paintings, and you have Rembrandt's. Uh, the Night Watch, which is a cool, really cool painting. Now, we see it in a book, and it's maybe the size of a postcard. When you get there, the characters in this painting are life-size. This thing is a huge, big, you know, painting, mm -hmm. um, and the people are, are as tall as us. Now, when you look at that from afar, you can see the whole painting, but the closer you get to it, if you could walk with guards, you can't get there. But you could walk up and put your nose at one point, and you would only see maybe an eight to ten inch, you know, circle of, of things going on. And I think that's what's happened with, with end time stuff. We've drilled down on one little point in Revelation, or we've drilled down on one little point that Paul said, and we're excluding the big picture. And you know, like it or not, the end times is a huge big picture, and I think we need to step back and look at the big picture. Uh, as opposed to focusing in on details, because when we get into the details, you know, like I say, the devil's in the details. Um, and when we get into those details, we start, we start arguing. I see it one way, you see it another way. Okay, let's fight. You know, and that's, that's just not right. That's not good. Mm -hmm. That's not good theology. So let's start here then. Um, so where did you start, you know, over 40 years ago? What, what was, how, how were you taught this? Uh, where, wh like, how did you interpret this for over 40 years ago when you first started? Well, uh, like many people my age, I started with the late great planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. <laughs> that <laughs> book came out and all of a sudden prophecy was a byword. You know, until that time, I don't know that many people really, uh, put a lot of emphasis on this, but, um, when Hal Lindsey wrote The Late Great Planet Earth, man, I was sold. I was, I was ready to go. Um, and then I went to a Bible college where um, they sort of um, enforced or propped up, held uh, the, kind of the same view that, that Lindsey did. Um, from there, I started, you know, like I said, I believe the hook, line, and sinker, but I started coming up with questions. Well, what about this? If that's true, then what about this over here? And I got to the place where people couldn't or wouldn't answer my questions, and it really left me frustrated. And I thought, there's got to be more to this than that. So as I look at things that Providence, God has, has guided my life, that I moved into circumstances where 
I started getting some answers to questions, but they led me in a different direction. And I went from that school of thought to a different school of thought. And I, you know, really believed that and read all the books and read all the teachings and went to a church that, that taught that. And, and again, came kind of to the end of things where like, okay, I've got these questions and you're not giving me answers to them. So I moved on and through doing this over years and years and years, I've encountered, like I said, all of the schools of thought, all those uh, four views on uh, how to interpret revelation, all the views of the rapture and all the views of the millennium and all that stuff. Uh, I have held at one time or another and got frustrated because somewhere in, in my holding these, uh, I just came up with questions that, you know, I couldn't answer and the, the adherence to these schools of thoughts, the pastors, the teachers, uh, that were really big in them, you know, there were questions that, that they couldn't or wouldn't answer. And they seemed sort of annoyed a lot of times that I would be asking this, like, well, don't, don't, don't rock the boat here. Uh, just believe it and, you know, have faith and you know, do something else. Uh, but I was never content to do that, uh, that, uh, kind of outlaw thinking, you know, you know, don't, don't tell me not to do something because that's a, that's a pretty good way to get me to do it. And, uh, don't reread these books. And I, even in Bible college, I had, uh, you know, professors say, don't read these books. And I, I just had to go read them. You know, I mean, it wasn't a satanic Bible. It was just somebody else's view of the rapture. And, <laughs> um, and, and this would lead me in a direction where I would go to a different way of thinking about things until, you know, I ran out of, uh, I had questions there and ran out of answers, moved on. So I, I think now I'm at a place, um, a friend of mine, uh, two two guys, and, and at the end, maybe when we're wrapping things up, I'll give a, a list of resources if we've got the time to do that. But two people who have been tremendously influential on me are uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, who is a um, Hebrew scholar, uh, and Dr. Gregory Beale, who probably wrote the most massive commentary on Revelation that's ever been written. Uh, it's just, it's a monster, it's a boat anchor, it's, this thing's huge. Uh, and a friend of mine gave me Dr. Beale's commentary for a Christmas present. And so uh, as I started to read and study this, and also uh, following um, Dr. Heiser's podcast, he's got a podcast called The Naked Bible Podcast, which is was very helpful, and he's written several books. I, I began to see that maybe all the schools were missing a very, very important point. And uh, the thing that, that Dr. Beale really impressed upon me, and then Dr. Heiser took it up as well, uh, is that we're going to have a difficult time interpreting Revelation and interpreting end times passages if we don't think the way the people thought who originally received it. Mm -hmm. The Revelation was not written to people in the 1970s or, or the 2020s. Uh, it was written in the first century to first century believers who understood the symbolism, understood what John was talking about. We're 2,000 plus years removed from that, so we don't think the way these people thought back then. But a good starting point when you're talking about biblical interpretation is, okay, these books, whether they're Old Testament or New Testament, were written to an audience, uh, the ancient uh, Israelite, the ancient Jew, um, they were written to them at a certain place and time in history. And 
How did these people receive that? What were they thinking when these things were written? Knowing that would be very, very helpful. One of the things that, that Dr. Heiser says, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing to do, we need to get the ancient Israelite living in our head. And in doing that, we might be able to understand things better um, by, by looking at this. And I, I just think if we, when we get into Old Testament, uh, I mean, New Testament um, end times theology, John, when he wrote the Revelation, he used the Old Testament in his writings more than any other New Testament writer. So when you know he's getting these apocalyptic visions and he's writing these letters to these churches in Asia Minor, and he's got to somehow interpret these visions in a way, you know, that these people will understand and get meaning from and take encouragement from and, and guidance from. And in trying to explain what probably would be the unexplainable, I mean, we've never had these kind of visions, you know, John's getting them all the time out there now. And so how am I going to make these people see this? If I'm uh, going to tell them that I got to use symbols that they understand and I got to use the Bible, you know, I'm, I'm writing under inspiration, you know, and, and so John used the only Bible they had, which was the Old Testament in that day and time. The New Testament had not been completed. I mean, wasn't completed until he finished Revelation, and it certainly wasn't compiled uh, in that day and time. So um, he used what he had, and what he had was the Old Testament. And growing up as a, a Hebrew child, he was taught the scriptures, and then he had three years of intense uh, teaching from the Old Testament uh, by being Jesus' disciple. So you know, he knew the Old Testament well, and the believers in that day and time who were in these churches who received these letters that became the book of Revelation, uh, their Bible was the Old Testament, and John uses the Old Testament like a commentary on Revelation. And I just, I, I think we do ourselves a disservice by one, focusing in on minor details and trying to build a doctrine from those details, not stepping back and seeing the big picture, and not using what John used to mm -hmm. interpret Revelation, which was the Old Testament. Yeah, let me let me just ask you this, because I just want to go back. You said the beginning sort of of your journey on this was the late great planet Earth by uh, Hal Lindsey. So what, how, yep. how did that, what was the thesis of that book? Like if that, that, just so I know what your starting place was. Well, he... To be, to be charitable, I mean, he, he sort of was the grandfather of what we call pop eschatology. And he was taking end times scriptures that were 2,000 plus years old and trying to make them relevant to today and trying to attach modern day symbols to old biblical symbols. Um like when you get into Revelation and you start seeing some of the wild, fantastic things and these these things flying around, you know, and they got a tail, you know, like a scorpion and long hair and wings and locusts and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and, and he would be talking to somebody who would say, well, you know, that, that reminds me of like a Cobra helicopter. I was in Vietnam and I flew a helicopter. And that, that's that's what that reminds me of. When I read that, I see that. And then we got, it moved us into this, way of interpreting prophecy, uh, when I say 
I wasn't the one flying the helicopter. The guy who was talking to Hal Lindsey, I wasn't in Vietnam. I didn't oh. fly a helicopter. So I'm not talking about me. But, um, <laughs> you know, reading, interpreting prophecy by reading the newspaper. Oh, well, that sounds like this or that sounds like that. Um, we talk about the mark of the beast. And um, in that day and time, uh, and I think I think this was in Lindsay's book. If and, and if I'm misquoting, I'm I apologize outright. Uh, but um, there was this big, supposedly this big computer in Belgium. Now we're talking early 1970 was when the book was written. So in this early to mid 70s period, there was talk that there was this computer in Belgium, this supercomputer in Belgium that had everybody's number in it. Everybody had a number according to. Um, to, to what was written in this this computer, and the computer was nicknamed by the people who built it and ran it. Uh, it was nicknamed the Beast, <laughs> and it got this whole thing started. That you know your social security number is the mark of the Beast, or the number that you're categorized uh, by in this computer is the mark of the Beast, and and you started having all these things, and that's even coming down to today. I remember getting. Um, a um an an email from a friend of mine who um um was telling me that um he had something he had read that this this vaccine the, right. the covid vaccine was going to end up being the mark of the beast and you know you can see certain parallels with this if you take the mark of the beast according to revelation you can't buy and sell and all that and and you can see how people would think that that, okay, well, hey, you know, if I don't have my vaccine card, you know, I can't go here, I can't go there. And there was talk about, you know, you can't go to a hospital if you haven't had your vaccine and they should keep you out of, you know, sporting events or they keep you, don't even go to the grocery store and all that stuff. And that, that uh, if you didn't have the vaccine card, um, then you were a pariah on society and you were excluded from everything. Well, that kind of sounds like, you know, mark of the beast kind of language. But the thinking that all these different things are the mark of the beast, and it's always changed. It's kind of like, you know, down through the centuries, the Antichrist has changed. You know, everybody thought that the Pope was the Antichrist when you had the Protestant Reformation. And then, you know, Mussolini was the Antichrist, or Hitler was the Antichrist, or Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist, and, and, and all these different things. And it's, it's using um, the symbols or the characters in our day and time to try to interpret scriptures that were written 2000 years ago or more. Um, and that's what kind of came out of the, the whole, how Lindsay, um, late great planet earth, uh, the thinking about prophecy in that way, trying to interpret prophecy by modern day people, events and, and things that were going on.